Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Be sure to give us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out a lot. What is up, my friends? I hope that you're all well. Well, as well as you can be after the night that was last night. I hope life's treating you well. I hope you've had a good day today. Well, as good a day as you could have with what happened last night. Um, And yeah, much love to you all. Great to have you in. Yes, Ronaldo says, Whee! All day. Football has died, mate. And a little bit of me has died with football last night. And look, I say this unashamedly, but I haven't seen them lift the trophy. I haven't looked on Sky Sports News. I haven't clicked on anything. I haven't had to sit through the imagery of them lifting big ears. So, But I don't want to talk about that today. I don't want to talk about negatives. I want to look ahead. I want to be positive. And I want to want to look within, see what we can do, how we can address our own deficiencies from last season and how we can be a bit more, uh, a bit more, yeah, fuck it, a bit more balls out this season. I don't see any of Man City fans celebrating. The only person celebrating is Grealish. I, as I said, mate, I've stayed away from it. I haven't looked at any of it. I haven't, um, I haven't been able to. The only thing I clicked on was I did see a video of Noel Gallagher singing Don't Look Back in Anger with some Man City fans. And I clicked on that just because the Oasis fan in me wanted to click on that. So um, other than that, I haven't really seen any of it. Now, I've gone on to Sky and scrolled past all the articles because I'm not going to be part of the loving. But do you know what has given me a little bit of hope, folks? Over the past 24 hours or so, since what happened last night, since Manchester City finally got their hands on old big ears, I have been really, really pleasantly surprised to see so many football fans be so vocal in their condemning of BT and Sky and their covering of all of this because they haven't been asking the questions. I remember a great account, um, Nick Sporting Intel, on, or Sporting Intel, or at Sporting Intel, I think it is, on Twitter, has done some great investigative journalism on the whole Manchester City thing. And he said last night, it was five and a half hours of BT's live coverage of the Champions League final, and not one mention or one posing of the 115 charges that are against Manchester City. So to see so many football fans actually call this out has actually made me really happy because I thought people had just given up. 
I thought people had just thrown their hands in the air and just said, well, that's it now. That's the way football is. But no, it's absolutely brilliant to see so many people really calling it out. But you a Liverpool fan, a Manchester United fan, an Arsenal fan. The only fan base who've weirdly tried to link themselves up a bit is West Ham. And maybe they're trying to jump into the whole, we're European champions side of it, which look, to West Ham's credit, they are. They won the Europa Conference League and I'm actually delighted that they've won it for them and the fans. But um, yeah, so that made me happy last night anyway, seeing that the whole footballing world has actually called this shit out for what it is. Because you know what it is. I know what it is. But the authorities seem to treat us like we're idiots. And I've been saying this to you guys for years now. We, the football fans, the football community, are spoken down to like a child that's done something wrong. We're spoken down to like we couldn't potentially fathom the genius of all of these people at work, all of these TV executives, advertising executives that tell us their facts, even though our own eyes often lead us in a different direction. You seen the lack of actual celebration last night. You seen how this was reacted to around the world. You don't need me to come on here and continue to tell you it's a sham. You know that. So please, I ask, just keep that energy because it's important that we keep the pressure up because they're going to keep trying to convince us that what we're seeing isn't what we're seeing. They're going to keep trying to convince us that this club have legions of fans around the world. We know it isn't true. You know it isn't true. So keep calling it out. Keep putting pressure on the Premier League. Keep putting pressure on the likes of BT and Sky Sports and all of these other outlets to start actually speaking for football fans. Because remember... That's what they're supposed to do. The Premier League, Sky and BT, they're supposed to be there to grow the game and for the betterment of the game. And yes, in Sky and BT's case, obviously for a profit. They're a business, nothing wrong with that. But we're not idiots. So please stop treating us like we're idiots. And I want to move on to another uh, link that made me laugh my ass off. And that is Liverpool being linked once again with Southampton's James Ward-Prowse. On the face of it, probably not the most ridiculous thing in the world, right? To see Liverpool linked with James Ward-Prowse. But when you consider that Southampton are looking for 50 million human pounds for James Ward-Prowse, you kind of scratch your head going, why? Why are we even interested? Now, the Daily Mail have said that Liverpool are willing to play the waiting game. Well, I hope we continue to wait and wait and wait and potentially wait until he retires because I don't want... James Ward-Prowse, anywhere near Liverpool Football Club. I've nothing against the man. I'm sure he's a lovely fella and he's a decent footballer. But we don't need decent footballers right now. We need to make sure that we go and get the very best. And James Ward-Prowse, with all due respect, isn't that. Now, the report goes on to say that Liverpool would be tempted at about £25 million for Ward-Prowse. At £25 million, yes, does it become a bit more um, lucrative? Probably, but only because of the homegrown quota thing for me and not because of actually thinking that James Ward-Prowse could come in and do a transformative job on our midfield. I don't for one second believe that he could. And also it's important to point out that he has no relegation clause in his Southampton contract. So keep that in mind when we're talking about him. Another one I wanted to bring to you guys, and this one comes with regards to another Southampton player, and that's Lavia. So Reports today suggest that Liverpool don't want to be dragged into a bidding war for Lavia and that while some talks have taken place with his representatives, Liverpool are playing the patient game because they don't want to get drawn into a bidding war. I don't know who this bidding war is going to be with because I don't know who else is in for him, but 
I also don't know if he's good enough or not. And that's my honest answer on Lavia. I don't know whether it's 40 million or 50 million. I just truly cannot tell you whether I think this kid is good enough or not. So I'm going to hand it over to you guys in the chat to let me know. Do you think that we should be looking to raid the likes of Southampton for Lavia or James Ward-Prowse? Or are there other players better suited? One player who'd been mentioned quite a bit was James Madison. Now, it looks like it's between Newcastle and Spurs for him and Newcastle being the most likely. Can you blame him, though, in all honesty? Can you blame him not wanting to go to Spurs? It's Spurs, after all. Uh, another one for regards to Liverpool's right-back situation. So many people have asked about Calvin Ramsey and what will happen when he comes back from his injury and he starts in pre-season. Well, there's a report that comes out today from, I think it's in the Echo, that said that Preston North End are looking to take him on loan next season. And that could probably be the best thing for him. Connor Bradley went out on loan and had a very good loan campaign. And we'll come back in and Jurgen Klopp will run the rule over him in pre-season. But I think this makes sense, right? We didn't really get to see much of Calvin Ramsey because of a stop-start season with injuries. So a move to somebody like um, Preston would make sense for me. So let's wait and see what happens with that one. And then finally, there's some more talks scheduled, I believe, for Kefren Thuram. Now, the more I read into this story... And again, I am just reading into it. I have no actual source of my own on this one with regards to details or anything. But it is believed that Liverpool are going to go back in. But Nice are starting to play a bit of a hardball. Now, I posed this question to you guys the other day. Do you think that because Sir Jim Radcliffe is the owner of Nice and he's trying to buy Manchester United, that it would, you know... Be in his interest, or I suppose make this a little bit difficult for Liverpool trying to sign Kefren Thoram. That could well be the case. But I stand over what I said. I think a fee of about 35 will get the job done. 35 in pounds, meaning about 42, 43 million euro. That's the number that I keep getting told whenever his name comes up. That's the only information I can get is that price. So I want to hand it over to you guys now and think, what do you believe? Who do you think Liverpool are looking at? And the final piece of this hypothetical jigsaw revolves around Federico Chiesa. So today I've seen a report from Italy to say that lots of English clubs are interested, Manchester United, Liverpool, Newcastle, all being mentioned, but that Liverpool at the very top of the queue for Federico Chiesa. And I sat back and I thought about this for a while and I asked myself, look, do we need to sign a forward? And the answer was probably no. We have a pretty well-stocked forward line and a pretty good conveyor belt of young players coming through. But sometimes it's not only just about that, right? It's about the right player at the right time, the right opportunity for the right price. And I think this could well be it with Federico Chiesa. 30, 35 million pounds would probably get him out of Juventus. He's told the club, according to reports in Italy, he wants to leave. And if Liverpool are indeed, according to, I think it was Corriere della Sport or Tudor Sport, I can't remember which one it was, really pushing for the player. I hope that's the case. Because yes, we might not need another forward, but... Sometimes, as I said, right time, right place, right player. And I think Federico Chiesa under Jurgen Klopp could be something special. And if it didn't work out, then I think Liverpool could probably shift them down a season or two and get their money back, maybe even a little bit more. Now it's over to you guys. Let me know what you think. Do you think we need a forward? Or do you think it's just media nonsense? Who are your alternatives in midfield if Manu Kone isn't really somebody that Liverpool are convinced of because... Again, just to reiterate, if Liverpool wanted to get a deal done for Manu Kone, it's the easiest deal they could make. Look at it this way. Brucey Munchengladbach need to sell financially. Liverpool have George Schmadke, who worked previously there. And not only that, his son is now working as the sporting director. 
I think he worked with Borussia Mönchengladbach, George Malka. I know he worked with Wolfsburg, but his son is certainly the sporting director now with Mönchengladbach. And if we wanted to get that deal done, I think it would be done by now. I think we would have went in early, paid the number, got the kid in, but I don't think he's Liverpool's top priority. Uh, I can't lie, being linked with Lavia and James Ward-Prowse is very underwhelming. It is, right? It is. And I'm with you on that, mate. Like, look, I'm not saying Lavia is not going to be good enough. I truly don't know. But I feel the very same as you do, Monkey Duffy LFC. It feels very underwhelming. It doesn't feel like this transformative window that we're kind of bigging up. And look, a bargain's a bargain. You know, I'm not saying we have to go and spend absorbance, absor- excuse me, exorbitant. I had to get that word right in my head. Exorbitant amounts of money. Because um, look, we proved with McAllister, 35 million pound, and he is the right player. So if those type of deals are available, I don't mind Liverpool not spending huge, as long as they're the right players. And I don't know enough about Lavia or haven't seen enough of him to know that he is definitively the right type of player. And nor do I know for a fact that Liverpool want to bring in a DM. Because I mentioned this previously, I've never seen it written anywhere that a DM is definitely on the list of priorities for Liverpool in midfield. I've seen that we won three midfielders, all right. I've seen that in lots of places. But never once have any of those said we need one box-to-box, one attacker, or one defensive midfielder. So I wonder are we even after a defensive midfielder? Because if we brought in McAllister, Thuram and Viega, that makes more sense to me in a window. You've got two young players there, one very athletic, big physical presence, one attack-minded, uh, bright spark who knows where the goal is. And then you've got Alexis McAllister, who was an Irish World Cup winner. I'm not letting that drop, sorry. And an undoubted Premier League proven player. Who, by the way, according to Darren Bent, you can't run. You can't, I mean, for fuck's sake. Where are we going now? I mean, I'm not there about McAllister because he can't run. Shut up. He's well able to run. He ran his way to a World Cup winner's medal. He ran his way to Liverpool Football Club and he ran that Brighton midfield. So uh, I very much disagree with Mr. Bent on this one. He's very capable of running, sir. Uh, Hey, Craig, thoughts on Barella now after his performance last night? So I thought about that because a lot of people, Narwhal, said exactly that to me last night. And I did sit back last night and think about what you've said. And here's my answer. Tell me a player who actually played well last night. Because I've been thinking about this. People are saying Barella didn't wrestle the game with a scruffed neck and win it for Inter. And that's true. But I can't think of anybody out there in either shirt except maybe Rodri, who really stamped authority on that game yesterday. So I don't think it was showing the best of any of the players out there. Because we know the players on both sides are capable of a lot more than we've seen last night in that final. And look, it could have been because it was a pressure occasion. Uh, I don't know. But as my point is like, Tell me somebody who actually played well because there was a lot of disappointing performances last night. DeMarco played all right. Yes, he did. I mean, it was just a hypothetical. I mean, like you didn't see Her- Haaland show up, right? Haaland been doing but none of us are going to sit here and go Haaland shite. Um, De Bruyne, obviously, you know, we know what happened with Kevin De Bruyne and that's incredibly unfortunate. But it, that was my point. It wasn't a night last night for, you know, grey football with the stars showing up. It was just one of those cagey, close... Hard four finals. So yes, I would have him. Sorry, to get back to your question, I would absolutely still have him. Um, Ederson was good in the second half. See, I don't know about that. Like, this fucking save Ederson made from um, Lukaku from the header. Dudes, come on. I'm a fat fuck who's 41 years of age and I'd have saved that. 
And I would suggest most of you guys and girls at home would have saved that. All he had to do was move his left leg eight inches and it hit his knee and came out. To hear people try to even compare that to Jersey Dudek's point blank save from uh, a right foot of a strike is baffling to me. Um, yeah, so I don't understand the big loving on uh, on Ederson, or Ederson yesterday. If anything, Ederson probably should have cost Manchester City a goal. And if Latoura Martinez wasn't such a greedy shit, then they probably would have had an equaliser or a goal. That wasn't even a save. Lukaku just hit him with the shot, pretty much. And can I say, I never, ever, 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 ever want to hear anybody try to tell me that Romelu Lukaku is, Lukaku, excuse me, is anything other than a pudding. Because he is fucking shocking. He should be banned from playing football after that. How bad can you be and still be a professional footballer? Romelu Lukaku is horrendous. Those misses last night were unconceivable to me in a Champions League final. My dog would have scored one of them with his paw. Like, I mean, shocking. So don't ever, ever, ever come at me again and talk to me about Big Rom or Lukaku because he's shite. Uh, the BT show commentator and the whole show in general was really uh, horrendous. So I didn't hear the commentary from BT, obviously, because I was watching the game here with you guys and talking through what was happening. But again, to see the consistent theme of people being critical of the coverage because, you know, they were just blowing smoke up their ass. And one other thing, Steve McManaman should never, ever, 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 ever be at a Liverpool Legends event ever again. Because I went to see him with... Robbie Fowler and Jason McAteer. And after listening to him last night, absolutely cream himself when those 115 charges cheating SOBs were winning that cup is a fucking disgrace. So McManaman, you are in my eyes, sir, and it might be just in my eyes, but you are dead to me. No longer a Liverpool legend. You've made your fucking colours and nailed them to the mast. And Michael Owen, the little Manchester United legend that he is, he can do one as well on there congratulating a brilliant team and a brilliant manager. Fuck off, Mo. Absolutely do one, you prat. Anybody else get that last night? Get really annoyed at like seeing all these ex-Liverpool players blowing smoke up this Manchester City team's arse. Did you see Brandon Williams' story? He was speaking out against City. I did. I did. Um, after I deciphered through the really, 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 really poorly written post. Yes, he called out Rio Ferdinand. But we know Ferdinand's a twat. You know that. Ferdinand, look, he was an incredible football player. Really one of the best. He's not really good as a pundit. And... He's right. If I don't blame Brandon Williams for being pissed off. And I think what Brandon Williams said is very fair. If Ferdinand was still a player, he'd be calling this shit out. But remember, this is the man who told Newcastle fans they should be grateful to Mike Ashley. Remember that. That's Ferdinand for you. The man who also had his clothing line going into Sports Direct stores. I think Rio Ferdinand and his opinions can be put in room 101. Can't wait till they get convicted of all the charges. So you know what? I said to Connor today, I was I was about to do a video yesterday where all I did for the entire video 
was just read the 115 charges from start to finish. And I pulled myself back from doing it because I didn't want to come across as that bitter again. But sometimes I think people need to hear this stuff before they actually comprehend what's happening. Because I see a lot of people, you know, burying their heads in the sand on it and trying to say like, oh, sure, there half of these are already gone. No, they're not. No, they are not. Uh, right, moving on to speak about some other targets. Anasio. Uh, Let's talk about Anasio for a minute because uh, he's apparently frozen transfer or contract negotiations with Sporting Lisbon, according to Ojogo, who I think are a Portuguese outlet. Uh, Gonçalo Anasio has frozen talks with Sporting because of Liverpool's interest. Liverpool and United have both been credited with being linked with them, say the Echo. Um, this conflicts earlier reports would suggest that he's expected to commit his future to the club by signing a new contract. But here's the thing. Why would he sign a new contract? Because the only reason they're getting him to sign that new contract is so that they can move his 45 million euro release clause up to the 60 million euro release clause that Sporting want to put in there. So if I'm him, I'm doing exactly what he's doing. I'm saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's hang off and see how this window develops. Let's see if Liverpool or Manchester United or somebody comes in for me. And if they do come in for me, the fuck would I sign the new deal? He's there until 2026 currently, so they're still going to get the buyout clause of 45 million euro. But it makes no sense for him to sign it. If nobody came in or no concrete offers came in during this window, then maybe it makes sense. Sign it, get a new pay rise, and then go into next season and see what happens. But while you're waiting... I think he's doing the right thing. Uh, I take him, said Mr. Apple Crumble. Well, look, I don't think... I think United's interest is, is in the kid from Napoli, you know. Um, and I think United want to get that done. But we know Manchester United's priority in this window is a centre-forward. And that's, you know, straightforward there. They need to get somebody in. So, again, I would say uh, Liverpool can probably approach this with a little bit of confidence if he's the player they want and I don't know if he is I've seen Jared Braithwaite mentioned um I've seen Colwell mentioned mentioned excuse me even though Brighton have had a 40 million quid bid for him rejected so many people got rattled by what you said about football dying on TikTok I don't even didn't even know there was a post up on TikTok I stand over that we've no Man City fans in our chat that I'm aware of but I know we've other clubs fans and can anybody here that watched that Champions League final last night, regardless of your club allegiance, can you say to me you didn't feel a little bit sad or that a little part of you was died at seeing that project finally get the one thing it wanted, the one thing it threw all this money at, all this uh, shenanigans at? I woke up today still feeling sad about it. I went to bed feeling sad about it. And I can't lie about that. It genuinely angered me, saddened me, frustrated me. And I think if... Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
anybody says anything different to it not feeling right, I really don't know what they want from football or what they think is going to happen. But for me, honestly, it hurt. And not just because it's City. Like, it hurts because it's been allowed to happen. It's been allowed to happen by the people that are supposed to safeguard and protect the sport. The Premier League allowing this shit to go on for four and a half years is actually embarrassing. And still, to have to sit back last night and see a couple of social media messages. And did you see those fucking social media messages, by the way? Congratulating all Emirati around the world and that this is one for the Emiratis and blah, blah, blah. The team's from Manchester, if I'm not fucking mistaken. But of course, we know it isn't about that. We know it isn't about Manchester City. We've always known what it's about. It's about sports washing. It's about PRs for certain country. And that was left in no doubt last night. When these posts congratulating the Sheikh, the Prince, and all of these other people went out there, the true colours were shown. The true reasoning behind that project was yet again shown. So again I say, if a little bit of you didn't die last night, if a little bit of you wasn't sad, I don't know what you want from football. Because the sporting integrity, the sporting chance part of it, it's going. It's disappearing. It's been taken away from us. And see, here's the thing. So anybody who comes at me over Man City and all these little weirdos, they're not real football fans. And not because they support Man City, because you don't fucking know anything about the game. Like all these new fans are only fans for one reason. They're fans because they're glory hunting little shits. They're fans because they've been spoon fed the club. They're fans because they're being, I don't want to say told to be fans, but so come at me all you want. Your club's soulless. Your treble is meaningless. And nobody gives a fuck. So you can big up your club all you want. You didn't, you probably had a Chelsea shirt. Two years ago, three years ago, five years ago. So I don't care because these people and their opinions aren't fit to lace my fucking boots when it comes to football. So don't care. Just because it's meaningless to you doesn't mean it is to them. No, I'm telling you, it's meaningless. I, I don't give a fuck about your opinion and I don't give a fuck about you trying to tell me if it is meaningless to them. I'm telling you, it's meaningless. It's shallow. It's plastic. It's empty. It means nothing to them other than they get to go, oh, yay, now I'm part of the success story. Yay. If it meant something to them, and here's a fucking fact for you, if it meant something to them, they'd fucking show up. They'd be there to send the team off. They'd be there for the parades. They'd be over there attending games if it meant something to them. But it doesn't, and they don't. So again... Don't try and have a pop at me. I'm talking facts. Did you see the send-off? Did you see it? It wasn't great. Tell me you don't understand football fandom without telling me you don't understand football fandom. So, again, it is empty. It is meaningless. It is soulless. And I don't give a fuck about any other opinion on that. Craig, on Twitter I saw a City fans trying to say their treble is better than United. No, it isn't. United was a well-won, hard-fought, Treble. Kills me to say it. I'm a Liverpool fan. I don't want United doing well ever. But that's a treble. And that's a treble that I will credit them for. And that's a treble that I want my club to try and match. That's a treble I hope Liverpool someday 
managed to get sorted, managed to accomplish. So I will give Manchester United their props forever on their treble because it's a real treble. G Nolan, again, dude. So you've said, Craig, I'm not saying I disagree with you. I'm very pissed off at those money laundering shit houses that got enjoyment. But the fans here are at rock bottom. I'm not talking about them. And I've made this very clear in a lot of my rants about Manchester City. I'm old enough to remember Manchester City going through the divisions. I'm old enough to remember them selling out Main Road. And I have absolutely no problem sitting here whatsoever to say that there are a group of loyal Manchester City fans that have been through a lot with that football club that would have enjoyed that last night because of that journey. I'm not discrediting those fans at all. But they aren't the fans we're talking about. The fans we're talking about are the little... 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20-year-olds who hadn't even heard of Manchester until about eight years ago or seven years ago when their country bought the club. So they're the ones I'm talking about. Those people trying to tell us that it's legitimate and that we're salty and bitter about it. So again, I've made this point a few times with regards to absolutely there are real Manchester City fans. My dad's friend has been a Manchester City fan. One of the Probably the first Manchester City fan I knew in my life when I was a kid. And he went through the leagues with them like that. So I know what you're talking about, mate, and I agree with you. But they're not the majority of the fans we're talking about here. The ones we're talking about are the, the Johnny-come-latelys. Saw a tweet from BT Sport today that City has become the fourth team to win the Champions League after Liverpool, Man United, Chelsea. But yeah, Forest and Villa... As you've said, yeah, absolutely. And I, I look, I'm not a Forest fan, but if my memory's right, and I think it is, did Forest not win back-to-back European Cups under Clough? So, yeah, I don't know how you could forget those clubs when, you know, they're very much established parts of the European Cup. So, yeah, so look, I do, look, I'm happy to apologise, G. Nolan, to those City fans. I still think what your club is doing is a shambles, but they have my respect as fans. Absolutely. And they were a credit to Manchester City when they were going down to the divisions. Without a shadow of a doubt, setting record attendances at Main Road again for those leagues. Absolutely. Those fans, all 40,000 of them that exist. Absolutely. Those 40,000, you can enjoy your moment. No bitterness from Uncle Craig on that one. Uh, We've won a treble, Country Bob, yes, but not the treble. Not the treble. You know, we should have fucking probably done it. Um, or Well, look, the league was never really in our own hands last year. But do you know what the most worrying thing I've seen? The most worrying headline I've seen over the past 24 hours, though. And it's worrying for a couple of reasons. One, because it says Manchester City potentially have a £300 million war chest after the prize money that they've gotten from that treble. But it also made me think... I don't remember our war chests after winning a Champions League and coming runners-up in the league or, you know, winning the league. I, I don't remember the big war chests we were getting. Again, I'm going to just point to our owners and go, why is it other clubs can do it? Why is it Arsenal can go back into the Champions League for the first time in, I don't know, six, seven years? I can't remember how long it's been. And there's talk of 200 million for Arteta because of that money. It's weird. That's weird. So can I ask you guys something? Let's, let's, I wanted to spend a couple of minutes debating Manu Kone. Because fair to say there's been conflicting reports in the media over the past few days about Liverpool's interest in Manu Kone. And as I said earlier on in the video, George Schmadke's son is the sporting director at Borussia Mönchengladbach. Borussia Mönchengladbach have known financial problems. 
Borussia Mönchengladbach have let it be known that Manu Kone is available. So this is where I start to wonder if we really are interested or not. This deal could have been done by now if we wanted it to be done. Um, so what I wonder is, is he further down the list? Is he an alternative? I think he might be an alternative to Thuram. That's my thought process. If we can get Thuram, we've got McAllister, then I'd be intrigued to see what the next move is. Is the next move um, a Viega or an attacking type midfielder? It is interesting. And and I'm starting to lean towards we're not really that serious about Kone. But it's just guesswork. I'd rather get Thuram and Viega instead of Kone to Connor the Red. We're getting Kone. It's BS. Those was, I don't think it is, Jamie. I don't think it is. B- now, I'm not saying we're not interested. Let me put it this way to you. Have you seen another report linking Liverpool to a holding midfielder? Yes, I know our name's going to be thrown around with Caicedo. I get that. That's been there for a while. But I haven't. If you look at Gravenberch, is he a six? Is he an eight? I don't think we're in for a defensive midfielder, in my humble opinion. I think we're in for a holding, sitting midfielder who can get forward on occasion. So I think McAllister and Thuram make sense, and then you go, but see, Ugarte was one, but were we in for him? I don't know if we were actually in for Ugarte or not. Again, that was up for debate as well, because pretty quickly it became clear that we weren't willing to pay the 60 million euro release clause. Chelsea tried shenanigans and PSG just came in and got the agreement pretty much done. But you're right, he was one player, but cold water was pouring on that Ugafe link um, very quickly from what I remember. Tapping up accusations ended up pursuit, but we don't need to tap him up. See, that's what I don't get either. You can speak to his agent and that doesn't break a single rule. So where's the tapping up? For a little bit of fun, I thought, let's play who has won each position in the Anfield agenda, team and position of the season awards. So there's no need to do the goalkeepers. Alison Becker's the goalkeeper. So who's been Liverpool's defender of the season? What are we saying? Is it going to be Ibrahima Kanade? Virgil van Dijk, perhaps? Certainly doesn't think it's going to be one of our fullbacks, right? Trent? Robbo? Bit of a mixed bag of a season. Trent obviously come a lot better towards the end as it'd be moved into midfield. Uh, there's not really any shouts for Joe Gomez, let's be honest. We're not really going to be having him in this conversation. And Joe Matip, again, not really. Costas, nah, he doesn't come into the equation. So I think this is a fairly straightforward one. I think, and I'm looking at the live chat as I'm speaking, I think we're going to go for Ibrahima Kanade as Liverpool's Defender of the Year. Congratulations, Ibu. Very well deserved. And I, personally, I think he's a future captain. I see leadership in Ibu. I see a great presence on and off the pitch. I see a man of the people and I'm so happy we signed him because I love him. I love him dearly and I've loved him ever since that announcement video, which is my favourite Liverpool announcement video of all time. So, yeah, for me, you guys nailed that one. Ibrahim Akanade, well done. Anfield Gen, the player of the defender, excuse me, of the season. So now we move into midfield and this is where I'm expecting a tumbleweed to just go across the screen because of all the positions we've had this season, midfield has been the one that's led us down the most, right? So who are the candidates? Well, there's Curtis Jones, obviously had a great resurgence at the end of the season. Fabinho had an up and down season. Jordan Henderson, again, very up and down this season. Thiago, not really much to report about Thiago this season. Naby Keita, who? Yeah, Keita, a fella. No praise for Werder Bremen. He used to play for Liverpool. Oh, sorry, used to be registered for Liverpool. Um, Harvey Elliott, eh, 
Definitely by Chetic. Is it Badger Tits? And for people watching this thinking about being disrespectful, Badger Tits was a, an autocorrect when one of the first comments we ever had about Stefan Bocetic on the channel. And we've lovingly kept that name because, well, uh, let's be honest, pretty cool, right? So, yeah, who is it? Who is Liverpool's midfielder of the season for the Anfield Agenda Awards? I'm going to say Bocetic. And that's incredible. You might think I'm wrong. You might think I'm overhyping the kid. And I get that. If you do, let me know your thoughts in the comments. But for me, I'm going to go for Bajcetic. I feel like if the season had gone on a few more, we could have been sitting here talking about Curtis Jones. And you know what? That's a tremendous credit to the lad. Because I'd not just written Jones off. I wanted us to be proactive to get rid of the kid. But, and I said this a lot, ever since Curtis Jones opened up and did that interview about his injury and how that's affected him, I feel like he's... I don't know, taking a weight off his own shoulders and started to blossom and show us. And of course, young Stefan had a, an injury which ruled him out at the end of the campaign. But I think that's a fair shout, you know. I think Stefan Bajcetic is probably the uh, the one, which is weird, if you consider this was his breakout season. So, Stefan Bajcetic, as voted for by the community here in the live chat, you are the Anfield Agenda, Liverpool midfielder of the season. And that is... Quite an accomplishment for such a young budding footballer. So now we move into the good end, right? The sexy stuff. Who is Liverpool's attacker of the season? And why is it Mo Salah? Over to you. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people are going to speak about the impact Cody Gakpo has had. Maybe the fact that he's come in and nailed down a position and made it his own already. Forcing a potential 100 million euro signing into being a bit part player because of that consistency. Is there a shell for Darwin? 14 goals, I think, in his first campaign? Probably not. Diogo Jota? Well, we can't ignore Diogo Jota's end-of-season form. Those goals came in bunches at the end of the season for Diogo, who himself had a very difficult season with injury. And that's before we maybe look to some others, some younger players. Diaz, I don't think, really comes into this mix. Good start to the season, then the injury. Then, unfortunately, didn't really work out for him too well. When he came back, he never really caught fire like he did previously. So, it's got to be Salah, right? I know we can debate it. We can talk about it. And yes, Cody Gakpo absolutely deserves an honourable mention. More than an honourable mention. A big, big mention. Interesting on Cody Gakpo, he's spoken recently and he said that he never really thought about the striker role, but he likes it now that he's in it and it's a position that he's enjoying playing. So... Maybe we will see him, perhaps, take that number nine. Number nine's still available at the minute, so who's going to take the shirt? So, I think we can agree. It's Mohamed Salah. But I've got one for you now. I've got a question. If we've given an award to Stefan Bajcetic for the best midfielder of the season, I want to know who our best young player of the season has been, and you can't give it to Bajcetic because he's already won an award. So now the question is, which youngster at Liverpool this season? And by youngster, we're going to go with the Premier League's own rules. This is 23 or under. Who gets that award? Who's been Liverpool's best young player of the season? Difficult one, this one. Off the top of my head, I'm thinking Jones, probably. Elliot's done well. And again, we speak about Elliot's counter-pressing and how impressed Jurgen Klopp was with that. Um, particularly in the game against Wolves, which then got him the performance against United, which, as you may well know, Liverpool won by not one. Not two, not three, not four, not five, which it was the season before. Not six, did many, seven. 
nil, seven. And you can't underestimate that either. So who is it? Who's going to be the young player of the season? This is a more difficult one. Me, I'm going to go against the grain and I'm going to say it's Harvey Elliott. And I know a lot of Liverpool fans don't think that Harvey Elliott has been at the very best that Harvey Elliott can be. But I think the off-the-ball work and the hard work that he's put in to get that trust from Jurgen Klopp is enough. So for me, I'm going to give it to uh, to Harvey Elliott. But I think a lot of people will, will rightly give Curtis Jones a show. And you know what? Curtis Jones deserves a show. I think we've concluded with the awards. But maybe goal of the season. What is your favourite Liverpool goal this season? And why is it Bobby Firmino's? And money joking. Which one is it? Over to you. Last award that we're going to give out before we finish up this particular segment. What has been your Liverpool goal of the season? We spoke about it a little bit before we started this segment. Couple of shots, a uh, couple of shouts. One I think was Diaz against Crystal Palace, which was mentioned by a lot of people in the chat. Um, Trent versus Leicester, another one that's been mentioned quite a bit. Bobby Firmino versus Manchester United, which brings a tear to your eye just thinking about it. Can't remember the score though. How can I forget it when I only mentioned it a second ago? Oh, that's right. It was deep many. And then there was a team goal, a great team goal that we scored against Leeds as well. I can't remember which one it was in that game, but that was another one that um, very much made me happy. And you know what? I don't think we can give a definitive answer to this yet. I think I'm going to have to wait for the comments. So I'm going to be looking. I'm going to be reading. I'm going to be liking. Let me know in the comment section. Who is your midfielder of the season? Defender of the season? Attacker of the season? Young player of the season? And of course, what's been your Liverpool goal of the season? We've had our say at Anfield Agenda. We've given the awards out. It's over to you now. Let me know your thoughts in the comment section. And I look forward to reading them. Thank you very much. Apparently, Alexis McAllister can't run anyway. According to, uh, I think it was Darren Bent. He can't run. What the fuck do you mean he can't run? Motherfucker, I can't run. A World Cup winner who ran Brighton's midfield. Do TalkSport just try and sign the most sensationalist bollocks talking clowns that they possibly can that other idiot that's on there the Gabriel Bonlahor fella between him Bent and some of the other spoofologists that are on there stop inflicting these fucking also rans on us they were professional footballers we don't give a shit about their opinions especially when they're coming out with this type of nonsense I, like, I don't see why this doesn't make people angry. Why aren't you demanding more? Like, I don't listen to talk sport. Do you, surely the fuck you want better punditry than that. I mean, I get it. I get it. It's, it's easy to just bait people. I get it. I know. But it's lazy. It's lazy. Simon Jordan is a snob. An absolute melon. Yes. And yes. I keep saying this to you. I'll give you two conflicting Englishmen, right? Now, I'm not English. I'm Irish. But I think I speak for a lot of non-English people. You got two fellas, right? You got Simon Jordan. You got Eddie Hearn. One of them is the cheeky, chappy, kind of, you know, fun salesman. Um, kind of, you know, ducking and diving. Eddie Hearn, who we like. He charms us. He draws you in. The other one is an arrogant, entitled asshole who speaks down to people, shouts over people, and tries to belittle people constantly. So, if you're ever looking why some people dislike 
certain Englishmen look at Simon and he's a perfect example of everything that is unlikable about a certain group of Englishmen. And then look at Eddie Hearn and you can see why, why he's admired, liked, whatever you want to say. I just don't get it. I don't get, like, I listened to Eddie Hearn schooling Simon Jordan. And Simon Jordan actually had the bleeding cheek to sit there and tell a man that literally runs the boxing game about boxing and about deals and about negotiations. And I couldn't believe the fucking arrogance that I was hearing back from a man that is a well-schooled man and has had a, you know, a decent business career and... Whatever, fair play to him. I'm not hating on Simon Jordan for that. But, like, this dude over here runs shit. Is boxing. Right, my friends, I'm going to leg it and um, get some food. But I will see you guys probably tomorrow. I'd imagine I'll be on tomorrow, but I will post a schedule into the Discord. Um, obviously, with no more watch-alongs coming up for the table, there's just going to be new shows in the evening. And um, yeah, don't forget to hit the follow button if you haven't done before you head off. Don't forget to check out YouTube for the videos as well. And again, thank you for so much for everything. No, no takeaway, mate. Going to cook some food. No takeaway. But yeah, appreciate you guys as always. Have a good one. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.